Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and another episode of the Weekly Debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, Managing Editor at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined on the Weekly Debrief, as always, by BizTimes Editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We've come to the end of another busy week working on our August issue. I got to get a little sneak preview of some high school football this morning. My son's on the Muskego football team, and they had their scrimmage uh, with three other teams this morning. So it was fun to get out there and see some football again. So excited to see that. It's his senior year, so it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. Absolutely. That is fun stuff and a lot of hard work uh, going into that for everyone involved. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's uh, let's dive in here with our Insider Story Spotlight. That is a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes Insiders. If you are an insider, thank you very much. We really do appreciate that support. It helps make our work possible. If you are not an insider, please consider subscribing. The equivalent of $9 a month will get you access to all of our stories on our website, biztimes.com, discounted admission to some of our events, and other insider benefits. So please do consider it. Go to biztimes.com, click on the subscribe button up at the top, and sign up. Andrew, what is your insider story spotlight this week? Uh, I chose a story about Mandel Group uh, planning a mixed-use development next to uh, the Walmart store in New Berlin. This interests me for a number of reasons. The location of this is uh, southeast of Moreland Road and Greenfield Avenue. Pretty busy, busy roads, busy intersection. And it's just south. It's in New Berlin, but it's just south of Brookfield, just across the boundary, if you will, from Brookfield. You know, Mandel Group's one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent, uh, multifamily housing developer in the Milwaukee area. Um, they've done developments throughout the region, throughout the metro area, but they haven't been doing a lot in the city of Milwaukee, in the downtown area for some time. I think several years ago, they decided to downtown at least from their perspective, and these guys are very analytical. Um, from their perspective, they decided downtown was saturated. We've seen a lot of other apartment developments, though, since then. But at that point, they decided to really focus more on the suburbs, and they've done a number of projects in the suburbs, largely targeting empty nesters who maybe want to sell their home but don't want to move out of their community and head downtown or whatever. They're interested in living in an apartment, but staying in their suburban community. And so Mandel has done projects targeting that demographic in many communities. And now they've got this project planned in New Berlin, um, interesting location next to the Walmart store there. But, uh, you know, a mix of a mix of apartments, some senior living and also some commercial plan. There are some freestanding uh, commercial buildings that, that could attract a variety of retailers. So pretty interesting uh, interesting move for Mandel's latest project in the suburbs. Oh, it's interesting to see continued growth in the suburban communities. Anytime you think of, we talk, we've talked a couple times about the housing issues, lack of housing in the yeah. region. Um, so we're you know, adding to that, even if it's not in the form of single family homes. Uh, an interesting detail in there, they're not seeking tech, tax incremental financing which probably helps clear the way you know, for them to do the kind of development they want um, versus seeking city help on something like that. So uh, certainly an interesting one to keep an eye on. 
my insider story spotlight. I'm uh, going to highlight uh, Milwaukee Tool and their, um, well, I guess their parent company, Tektronic Industries, having earnings results out uh, for the first half of the year this week. TTI, as you're known, are, they're based in Hong Kong. They report twice a year, and it's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Milwaukee Tool, as we've talked about, is one of the fastest growing companies in the region. Um, has gone from you know a few hundred million revenue to more than eight billion in annual revenue over the course of more than a decade. Uh, it's been this impressive growth story. You know, year over year, they were growing twenty percent plus, um, and that's propelled TTI as well. Well, uh, some of those global um, that global economic uncertainty is kind of biting a little bit, and TTI actually saw its revenue decline in the first half of the year down 2.2% in reported currency and 1% in local currency. That was not because of Milwaukee Tool. Um, Milwaukee Tool is still up 8.5 or 8.7% in local currency for the first half of the year, which by their standards is awfully slow. They're used to 20% plus, um, but still driving growth for uh, TTI. Um which also owns the Ryobi brand of power tools. So they've got kind of a Milwaukee tool as a, as a professional grade product. And then the DIYer uh, is the Ryobi um, option. And interesting that Ryobi was down and he was in the, the low sync double digits, uh, whereas Milwaukee tool was up almost 10%. So interesting dynamics there. Uh, also interesting in the story, we've got an interesting chart that, uh, spells out that growth that I was talking about from Milwaukee Tool uh, from 2010 to 2022. And they've still got high hopes going forward, projecting high single digit to low double digit growth in the coming years. That's their internal target, at least. Uh, so we'll see if that if they can make that happen. Yeah, we've been pay- paying close attention uh, to the TTI earnings reports because um, it, it's an opportunity to get at least some uh, gauge on the, the numbers in terms of the growth that Milwaukee Tool has been seeing. We have certainly in we have certainly seen in our area that payoff in real ways. You know, in, in in recent years, substantial expansions at at the headquarters in Brookfield. Um, they recently opened a an, an office uh, presence in downtown Milwaukee now taking uh, the former Ascension building downtown, which Ascension had vacated. And now that's Milwaukee Tools building, and they have a large number of employees there. They're at, they've are they added a presence in Menominee Falls. They've opened a, a, a hand tool plant in West Bend. So um, the, tracking their growth has been important because the real-world benefits in Metro Milwaukee have been a huge expansion of their presence and a huge exp- addition of jobs in the region. So we will continue to watch that and hopefully that, that growth rate for them continues. Yeah. And you mentioned the downtown office. It's, uh, you know, I'm not much for the importance of, of a sign, a corporate signage, but if you come up, um, a 94, as you're coming into the market interchange and you go, you're heading, uh, to go East, um, at all. And to see that the signage they, they did, and it's, it's real creative putting it on top of a parking garage that it, you know, it, you got this sea of gray and then this big bright red uh, sign with white letters that just 
kind of pops out amongst all of it. Um, it's real uh, unique and stands out. You know, so kudos, I suppose, to their marketing team or whoever had that idea uh, to not just put it on the building, but put it on that parking garage because um, it really stands out and, and lets you know they have a presence in downtown Milwaukee now. Yeah, and there's, there's something cool about it when, you know, their brand, of course, is the same name as the city. <laughs> so there's something cool about having a big Milwaukee sign uh, on their parking structure, which is obviously Milwaukee Tools. But it's like here you are in downtown Milwaukee with this cool sign that says Milwaukee. Um, it's a nice addition to the city sky, the skyline. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we'll jump to our big story here in just a moment. But, but before we do, want to highlight that we are currently seeking nominations for our annual Nonprofit Excellence Awards, which celebrate not only the great nonprofits in our region, but the great corporate citizens in our region. Uh, and we are looking for nominations. Uh, so if you are a nonprofit doing great work, if you've got a great collaboration with another nonprofit, if you're a company that has done mad major in-kind gifts, or you have a rising um, next generation leader, uh, all sorts of different categories, please do consider submitting a nomination. Go to biztimes.com slash annual dash events. Click on the Nonprofit Excellence Awards and you'll find the nomination form. So please do consider that. It's always a joy to read through the nominations that we get because there are so many people in the community doing a lot of great work to try and make Milwaukee a better place. And it's a it's a joy to read the nominations. And then the day of the event, it's a lot of fun to have a chance to highlight that work and celebrate people that are you know working towards a better Milwaukee. Fantastic program, some really passionate people people get emotional at that event it's it's really really special um so yeah please nominate you know any nonprofit organizations that are doing great works those that are supporting those organizations you know self-nominations are encouraged as well so you may self-nominate so please please do absolutely uh let's jump to the big story of the week and it is uh kind of goes one of the challenges the region faces um that is two hotels um, in various states of financial trouble. One is the Iron Horse Hotel uh, in Walker's Point, which is now set to be auctioned off next month. It's been in the bankruptcy process for, I think, over a year now. And so that's going to be heading to auction next month. The other story of the week that we're hitting on here is the Milwaukee Hampton Inn and Suites in downtown. Uh, which I believe we talked about previously, um, that kind of unexpectedly closed this spring, uh, is now, it's been handed back over to the lender. Uh, Evergreen Bank Group uh, now has the deed for that in lieu of uh, foreclosure action. So more uncertainty there, and hopefully a, a new owner at some point in the future. I'm sure the bank does not want to be in the business of operating a hotel. Uh, oh. That's not typically their preference. But two hotels that are challenged in various ways, uh, kind of signs of the lingering effects of the COVID pandemic, um, but also have other reasons they're challenged. So, Andrew, what uh, what do you make of, you know, kind of this confluence? It's more coincidence than anything that they both pop up in the same week, but not great news for two hotels in close proximity to downtown. Right. And, you know, it does... COVID certainly had a devastating effect on the hospitality industry. 
when the Iron Horse owner filed for bankruptcy last year, you know, COVID was cited basically as the reason. We don't really know what's going on with the Hampton Inn and Suites because the ownership there has refused to say anything. They they closed the hotel quietly. Um, so, but we can surmise that COVID had a very had a devastating effect for that operation as well. Um, I think what we've seen, you know, recently, um, you know, last year and, and this year, we're seeing really strong tourism in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin. I think, you know, last year was a record tourism year for the state um, and, and maybe the region as well. Um, you know, I think even better things are expected this year and maybe even next year we get the RNC coming. So tourism has seen a strong rebound from COVID, but what we're also hearing is that business travel has not, business travel has not returned to pre-pandemic levels. And while tourism is very important for Milwaukee area hotels during the summer months, particularly on the weekends, um, you know, that midweek market and certainly the off-season market, the cold weather months, hotels really rely on business travelers and the fact that that market just hasn't returned to pre-pandemic levels is obviously a problem we're seeing. And, you know, I, I think that's got to be a factor. That's not the only thing, but it's got to be a factor in some of what's going on. And you do wonder if we're going to see any other hotels uh, facing situations like this. One thing we're hearing that a lot of hotels are facing is that a lot of them received financing prior to the pandemic and a lot of those cases uh those notes are coming due a lot of them are on like a five-year cycle and so there could be others i think you know the general sense we're getting is that large operators like say marcus corporation are pretty well positioned but you know smaller operators are facing more distress and so it'll be interesting to see what plays out with you got an auction coming up for iron horse and obviously as you mentioned Okay, a bank now owns the Hampton Inn and Suites, which is closed, and they obviously are going to want to sell that to someone else who presumably reopen it. So hopefully we see some good operators step forward and acquire these hotels. Iron Horse remains open, um, so, but you know Hampton Inn needs someone to come in and reopen it. Um, but hopefully we get some good operators to come in, take on these properties, and... Uh, and lead them to a better future. Yeah, absolutely. In a moment, I want to get your take on which one of these you think you might, would you want to be the operator for? Which one feels like the better opportunity? But to your point on um, kind of the lingering pandemic effects, um, airport travel uh, through Mitchell, uh, first half of the year, we're at about 83% of 2019 levels. Uh, So, you know, we've had a, Steady rebound there, but it's still not quite all the way back. To your point about Marcus, their hotel business up 10.7% year over year uh, when you kind of do a comparison on, on a like for like worth last year. Um, and then their occupancy in the first half up uh, from 55.7 last year to 59.5 this year. So good recovery uh, in their quarterly filings. You know, talking about they've seen. Um, kind of a slow, you know, continue to slowly increase what they're expecting going forward. They kind of think the the leisure travel 
will kind of normalize, um, which probably is, is bad news because we've seen a lot of leisure travel, that kind of revenge travel from during the pandemic. Uh, hmm. People were getting out more and then more. Um, but they're expecting kind of a slow rebound of the, the business travel. Um, but some of the, the group travel things they're seeing, you know, for next year, running about 7% ahead of where it was, you know, uh, comparable time last year. So some good news, um, although it's it's incremental and slow recoveries. So um, we'll have to wait and see. But put it to you, uh, which one do you think you'd want to be the operator of? Iron Horse or the... Or you want to be right in the heart of downtown at uh, the Hampton Inn? Certainly, I would say the Iron Horse is, you know, the much, much better property, much higher quality. You know, it's a it's a beautiful hotel. And, um, you know, Walker's Point is, is a really cool and exciting neighborhood. You've seen a lot of growth. Uh, that's occurred there, and I, and I think that's that's going to continue. So I, th- I think Walker's Point as a neighborhood will only continue to improve, and that's a beautiful property that you know I, I think a well positioned operator should be able to do very very well with. Now, having said that, the Hampton Inn and Suites, you know, I think needs a lot of investment into it. Um, and, you know, could maybe benefit from a new flag. But, um, you know, we have seen there's a lot going on that's in the west side of downtown. And that has seen a major surge of of activity. I mean, you look at everything from the Deer District development. You look at the fact that the convention center is being expanded, a massive expansion project there. You look at the Bradley Symphony Center opening. You look at the transformation of the former shops of Grand Avenue into the Avenue and the cool food hall that's over there. You've got Pfizer bringing its corporate headquarters into that neighborhood. I mean, that's a Fortune 500 company. We talked about Milwaukee Tool and, and their downtown office. That's in that neighborhood. So, I mean, there has been a lot of exciting things happening in West Town, the west, western part of downtown. And so that hotel should be able to take advantage of all of that. And so it's well positioned, but it's not nearly as nice of a property as the Iron Horse. So you know whoever would come in there is going to need to spend spend some money upgrading it and, and upgrading the reputation of the property. So so I would say Iron Horse, due to the just you know you get a beautiful property in a in a cool exciting neighborhood that's on the upswing, but. Hampton Inn also has, I think, also has great potential because of what's happening in, in, in the western part of downtown. Yeah, it'd be hard to, you know, pass up on that proximity to an expanded convention center, yeah. major corporations. Um, but yeah, like you said, it probably does need uh, some some investment to make that truly work and to be able to truly capture it, um, especially if you're trying to, you know, get a hold of any of that, you know, maybe that business traveler or, you know, the con- if I'm spending a bunch of money to come to a convention or um, some sort of, you know, youth sports thing at the convention center or one of those things, um, I'm going to want a good experience in the hotel too. Um, and there, there are those good experiences to be had nearby. Right. Um, There's a lot of other competition in that neighborhood. Whereas in Walker's point, 
Iron Horse is, is basically it. There's maybe some smaller properties, much smaller, but, you know, Iron Horse is, you know, kind of, uh, now that's not that far away from downtown. It's, it's, it's in some respects, close. Yep. market, but there's a, there's a separate niche to the Walker's Point area. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have to wait and see what becomes of both these properties. Uh, like I said, the one is now owned by the bank and the other is uh, heading to auction. So we shall see what happens uh, until then. That'll do it for this week on the Biz Times MKE podcast and the weekly debrief. Thanks for joining me as always, Andrew. Absolutely. You bet. This is Dan Meyer with Biz Times Media. You've been listening to the Biz Times MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, Biz Times Milwaukee.